Hey, this is John, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org forward slash young adults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to stand up again, but I will ask you to do something else. Isn't surrender hard? I know that when I was singing, even that second song, I was like, do I mean that? Do I really mean that I surrender all? I just got the sense, maybe I'm not the only one in this space. So I'm going to invite you into just for a moment before we start. Sometimes we do this every so often, but I'm going to invite you to pray for your neighbor. They need your prayers. The family of God needs the family of God to show up for them when they can't show up for themselves. And so if you're like, man, I'm all in. Let's, let's surrender it all to Jesus. That's awesome. But there are others that are just like wishing they could be outside. They came for the free food and think, man, this is not what I signed up for. So if you're comfortable with it, if you don't know your neighbor, then maybe ask them. But just if they're okay with it, just lay your hand on their shoulder. You can pick whoever it is. I don't know. Like, you can decide who's, like, who's going to touch other shoulder. It's fine. And then we're going to pray. You have brought your children to you today, Jesus. You know what's best. You know what's hidden. You know what's on the surface. You know the things that we're terrified of. You know the things that we're proud of. But in all things, Lord Jesus, we ask that your spirit would come and establish peace in the hearts of the people here tonight. Give them the courage to hear your words and to respond. That if you are calling them to surrender, that they would surrender. If you're calling them to go, that they would go. If you're calling them to come, that they would come. That they would hear the voice of their shepherd and listen. But God, I pray against any fear that might be here in this place. And the fear of the people here. Your love is established here because your cross reigns supreme. So in the presence of your love, in the presence of your power, Lord, I ask that you would cast out all fear. Send it. Cast it away. And in place, establish your peace. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to respond. May we not be afraid of what you have in store. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome, everybody. A lot of you do know me, but I do know there's a lot of faces here, so I just want to quickly introduce myself. I'm Caesar. I'm part of the Young Adults team here, and I have the privilege of uh, preaching this fall kickoff with you all. 
And so uh, I just want to quickly catch you up to where we are, where we've been, if this is your first time even uh, here this summer or at all at Mosaic Young Adults. But we've this summer been in a series called Upside Down Kingdom. And as a young adult community in our house churches, um, in our once a month gatherings here uh, for the summer, we've been going and journeying through the Sermon on the Mount. And we've just been focusing on smaller chunks of the Sermon on the Mount. And so back in June, we covered uh, the Beatitudes, and then in July, we covered the Lord's Prayer, and that takes us to this evening where we, under, where we seek to understand what does it mean to surrender our lives to Jesus, and then we'll follow with something else next week. But this is where we are tonight, wrapping up the summer series. And so before we jump in, I just want to try something a little different, uh, just because it's all a little different, so why not try something fun? We're going to do a little music trivia, all right? It's gonna be it's gonna be fine. Don't worry. I've uh, I've learned my lesson. Uh, I've checked these songs out. It's okay. Uh, they are not Christian, and so I apologize. Um, but it, it it'll feed the point later. Don't worry. So uh, we're gonna have someone on the production team press play. They're gonna play 30 seconds of a song, which is longer than any game show. So like you'll have time. And so once you hear it, don't shazam it. Okay. I don't like don't I don't want to see any iPhones in the air and being like Siri, what is this? I don't want it. But what I want from you guys instead is to tell me the name of the song, the artist, and for extra points, the year it was released. I'll give you the answer after it's done, okay? You're like, oh, no. I'll help you along the way. Don't worry. I'm, like, I'm nice this way. All right, Josh, play the song. No? We never did it. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> we are going to do something different than even plans. Uh, uh, I, <laughs> I don't even know the words fully of it. It's, uh, it's my life. It's now or never. I don't know the words beyond that point. I didn't memorize the song. It was supposed to be playing. I promise. Yeah. Bon Jovi. It's my life, 2000. Okay, but that was close. I enjoyed it. Okay, so uh, <laughs> this is fun. I love this. Oh, I'm so glad. Uh, anyway, so by a quick show of hands, who grew up in a household where you weren't allowed to listen to Christian music? Anybody? You were not allowed to listen to non-Christian music. Non-Christian music. Okay, not that many. Wow, okay. Well, that was my experience. Like, I did not grow up listening to non-Christian music. I was only Christian music all the time in my household. So I didn't know who, like, Timberlake was, Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears. Like, I, I didn't know about them until, like, almost high school. I thought Oops, I Did It Again was, like, a comedy show, like, <laughs> like America's Funniest Videos, except for younger people. The closest thing to boy bands that I had was Casting Crowns and VeggieTales, right? <laughs> so Bon Jovi wasn't even on my radar, but it wasn't until my uncle, uh, Johnny, he showed me this song, and I thought, this is great, and I lime-wired it, which has its own ethical things, but if you did, you, okay, lime-wire is illegally downloading music, okay, that's what it is, we're going to pass that, that's my past, okay, I was like 10, and so, you know, my parents would come in, they'd ask me, you know, it, I, it's like, this is how dated I am, like, I had an iPod Touch, right, and so I'd put it on my iPod Touch, and, uh, and then, you know, they'd come in, ask me, what are you listening to, I'd be like, ah, I can only imagine, or something like that. And then they'd leave, and I'd go back and play It's My Life, and I'd like own it. It's my life, Mom. It's now or never. You know, just like that kind of thing. Uh, the next song was going to be uh, a different song, and I cannot do it. Oh. Oh. Okay. The second song. Let's do it. <laughs> I love it. Good production. Here we go. Yeah. And now. 
the end Hold is on, near. give me 30 seconds. I need the people to know. So I you don't win anything. <laughs> so hold on. The final curtain. Just listen to the song for a second. My friend. Take it in. I'll say it clear. Come on now. I'll state my case. Now don't sing it together because it's not a worship song. So I don't want to get in trouble for this. Like we're not worshiping I've this person. Lived a life that's full. Hold on, we'll get there. We'll get I've there. I've traveled don't you worry. each and every highway and more. <laughs> Put your phones down. Much more than this. I did it. My All right. Cut it, Josh. Thank you. So, what's the name of the song? My Way by who? Frank Sinatra. What year? 1969. Ah, there it is. Okay, we did it. So, these songs, all right, these songs are 30 years apart. Two different generations singing the exact same message, right? What was that message? It's my way. It's my life. That the time that we have on this earth is short, so I've got to live it to the fullest, that I will never bow down to anyone. And as long as I did it my way, then there are no regrets. Like this is the heartbeat of our parents and our grandparents' generations. But you know what? It's the heartbeat of our generation. It's the song and message of humanity. From the beginning of time all the way to today, humanity's song is this. It's my life and it's my way. And so we sit here thinking, man, I just don't want singleness. Marriage, that's what I want. So I'm going to go after it. I refuse to be single and I'll do whatever it takes. Whatever app I have to download, I don't care if they love Jesus or not. At least they said yes to going out with me. It doesn't matter if they want me to cross my boundaries. This is my life and I want it that way. Addictions, alcohol, drugs, porn, overeating, overworking. I need them. Life is just too much to cope with. And these things make me feel good. So how dare anybody tell me that I have to get rid of these things in my life? It's my life and I want it this way. And this mantra ultimately tells us that our individuality is king. So I am who I am and I want what I want. But as we go through tonight's text, what we'll see is that Jesus is making an appeal that instead of living a life like that where you're obsessed with what you want and what you desire, he wants you to surrender him, yourself completely to him because your lives are, our lives are not our own and they're actually best cared for when they're in the hands of Jesus. You see, we live in a world that champions the idea that we know what's best for ourselves. So we're tempted to just reject the idea of a life completely surrendered to God because we think the best way to ensure a life where I'll feel the, the most joy and the most full experience is if I do it my way. And that's why I can imagine there are going to be some of us in this room that as you hear me petition that God wants your whole life, your instant reaction is absolutely not. You want me to base my life and submit myself to some archaic religion, to a book that's full of bigotry and boredom. Why would I want to follow a God who tells me I can't love who I love? I can't have sex when I want it, and I can't smoke weed when I want to. I mean, these things don't hurt anybody, right? It sounds like God just needs to get his ego in check. But there might be some of us tonight who are here and, and, and they're trying as disciples of Jesus to balance out how to live their life in full surrender to Jesus. 
But in, but in trying to do so, they're, they're trying to figure out how do I balance obedience to Jesus and still live the life that I desire. That the life that I'm curating over here and the life that Jesus is calling me to live over here, they're not matching up because they're getting in the way of one another. And so what can happen is, is that we'll pray things like, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But what we really mean is, God, do everything you want elsewhere as long as it doesn't interfere with my dreams and my desires. And Jesus says, listen, you have to reject this type of lifestyle. Because living a life completely devoted to your own desire and direction will never bring the satisfaction that you long for. Because when we become a people who are obsessed with carrying out our every want, our every desire, our every fleeting thought, we become a people marked by arrogance, narcissism, insecurity, and fear. Is that the life that you wanted? Instead, Jesus calls us again to be a people of surrender, to submit and yield our lives fully to him, to someone who is far more capable of caring for us than we are to ourselves. And instead of living in constant fear and worry, if someone will see that the life that we're curating isn't as real as we thought it was, instead, Jesus calls us to live a life that he holds together for us. So let's turn back to our text for this evening. We'll start in Matthew 6. Verse 24, as a reminder, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, and it's uh, Jesus in the first half of chapter 6. He is outlining the, the foundational aspects of what it means to live within the kingdom of God. And so this first half, he talks about how God is our Father, that he is powerful and yet intimate with us, that he desires relationship with his children, and that he provides spaces of intimacy with us. But in the second half of chapter six, which is where we are tonight, Jesus is going to dig deeper into the realities of what our life is supposed to look like when we pursue intimacy with him. And I gotta tell you, I've been wrestling with this text because there are some times in Jesus' teaching where it makes you question, am I even a disciple of Jesus? This is one of those texts. So let's get to it. Verse 24. Jesus says this to his disciples, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so right off the bat, Jesus begins to use very strong language. He talks about uh, slaves and masters. And this is because Jesus is going to hone in on this reality in the beginning. That all of us, every single individual in this room is a slave to something. It's not a matter if you are, it's a matter to whom. You see, we're so accustomed to, to living our life and thinking about our life in very autonomous terms. It's my life. It's the way I want it. But then Jesus says, listen, <laughs> you're not as free as you think you are. No one can serve two masters. And, and the word for, for serve here is the Greek word is, is doulos. Can you say that with me? Doulos. Okay, perfect. It means literally to be a slave to. That's a far heavier word than just serve, right? Yes, slaves do serve, but a doulos. Being a doulos wasn't a nine to five gig, it wasn't something you punched in and punched out, it was your entire life. 
And it wasn't a title that you flippantly accepted or took upon. Instead, because a doulos, what it means to be a doulos is that you are legally owned by somebody, by a master. And your entire livelihood and the entire direction and the entire purpose of your life was determined not by yourself, but by the master who owned you. In other words, their whole life was in the hands of their master. From the moment that they went to, for, they got up from bed from, to the moment they went to sleep, their only focus was doing what their master asked of them. They didn't worry about where they were going to sleep. They weren't going to worry about drink or food or clothing. That was the master's responsibility. But the doulas' job was to obey wholeheartedly to their master. And so that's why Jesus says to his disciples, listen, no one can be a doulas to two masters because if a person is tethered to one master and to another, by nature, they, their, their devotion will have to be split. But being a doulas means there is no room for partial devotion. You only have one master. And so Jesus takes this image of a slave, of a doulas, and a master, and he applies it to the relationship he shares with his disciples. What he's saying is this, is that the relationship we share with Jesus is to be so all-encompassing of, of every arena of your life. Your thoughts, your attention, your affection, your actions are meant to be tied to what he wants for and from you. So I need you to hear me on this tonight. If Jesus is our master, then he is owed our complete love and devotion and no one else. Do you think of your relationship with Jesus that way? Like, do you plan your days based on what Jesus desires for you? Do you designate time in your life to ask God, hey, God, where are we, what are we going to do today? Are you willing to, to be disrupted and so that God can move the pieces of your life around as he sees fit? Or are you trying to do it a little bit of your way and then sprinkle a little bit of Jesus' way on top of it? Because I know I do that all the time. And this is how we, many of us, I would imagine, view our relationship with God, that, that his commands are more of a suggestion we mistake his invitations as simply a consideration. And when we view God's will for us as something we can simply take into consideration, instead of recognizing that God is our good and loving father who would never ask anything of us that would harm us, what happens is that we end up having a partial devotion to Jesus and then literally anything else. And I think that's why so many of us walk this young adult life so frustrated with our relationship with Jesus because we're trying to walk hand in hand with him with a divided heart, saying, no, God, let's go this way. Oh, no, no, God, I want to go this way. It's like, oh, again? And you're just constantly doing that back and forth. Don't want to trip on that. But here's the thing. You have a choice in the matter. There's a nuance to understanding our doulos to Jesus. Placing ourselves under the ownership of Jesus is something that we have to go and submit ourselves to. And the way that Jesus talks about it is this idea of entrusting yourself. Because being a doulos is tied to who we entrust ourselves to. This is what Jesus says at the end of verse 24. He says this, what? You cannot serve who? God and money. And so here, I just want to clarify this is not about a message about money. I'm not going to ask for your money at the end of this. The Greek word for money here is mammon. 
And mammon is a word that the Greeks borrowed from the Hebrew dictionary. And mammon came from a Hebrew word which means to entrust. So when you get a check from your job, what do you go do with it? Well, if you don't have direct deposit, but if you didn't, take your check, go to the bank, give it to the teller, they deposit it. That's the act and practice of mammon. You entrust your possession to somebody for safekeeping. But over time, what mammon began to, to mean not, is not that which is entrusted, but that in which people put their trust in. So instead of someone entrusting their money to somebody for safekeeping, you would place your safety and security and trust onto the thing that you're placing in somebody else's hands. And so this is what Jesus is getting at. Whatever we entrust ourselves to owns us. We become slaved to that which we entrust ourselves to. And this could be anything. It could be marriage, money, a job title, sexual identity, gender identity, political party, church denomination, perfectionism, workaholism, alcohol, the need to control others. The list is endless. Do you see we're not as free as we think we are? And so Jesus looks at the landscape of our hearts and he says, listen, no one can serve two masters. So who are you going to entrust yourself to? Are you willing to place yourself under my full authority? Or are you going to keep trying to give yourself over to mammon in the hopes that they'll satisfy your hearts? Because listen, y'all, Jesus wants one thing and he wants all of you. Not a little bit, not half, not three quarters, not 99.9%. He wants 100. And he wants you to walk with him with an undivided heart. And this might sound like, like, a, like a, too much of an ask, because we live in a world where you don't owe allegiance to anybody fully. And if they ask for too much, what do you do? Cancel, on to the next thing. Netflix is too much money, cancel. I'm going to go for my three-month free subscription to Hulu. And when that's too much, then I'm going to go to HBO Max. And, but we do that with relationships, with systems, with anything else, because if it's too much, we just say, I'll go somewhere else. But the reality that Jesus is calling for complete devotion is based on the reality that he can take care of you better than anything else could. That Jesus can and will take care of you better than anything else you can entrust your life to. Listen, I understand that as you hear this, it might be easy to hear the call to be a slave to Jesus as cold and callous. I get that. I feel that sometimes. There will be often times where I go, God, what about my dreams? What about my desires? Like, why does it seem that you hate the things that I love sometimes? And his response to me often is this. Those things that you try to entrust your life to are dead and useless. They cannot give you what you want. In the Old Testament, God often talks about what it looks like to have a heart that is divided. God had chosen a nation for himself and he called them Israel. He warned them that if they were to give their lives over to anything else in this world, it would end very poorly for them. And if you read the narrative, it does. But this is why the very first commandment you see in Exodus and Leviticus is you shall have no other gods before me. But Israel does give their hearts over to idols and mammons. And idols, really what they are, are anything outside of God that we 
entrust our lives to for safety and security. You know, it's funny. We talk about living life our way and how we want it. But the reality is that we just give our life away to anything but God. Because we think anything but God will satisfy our heart's cravings. But here's the thing about idols and mammons and all whatever you want to call them. They will always overpromise and underdeliver. Like some of you are here and you're young adults and you're married and you're wondering, why is it that I'm married and I still feel really lonely? Why is it that the porn that I watch makes me feel more and more numb? It was working before. Why isn't it working now? Why is it that every job promotion that I get, it feels like people still don't respect me? Why is it that I can nail everything perfectly and I still feel unworthy and unwanted? Why is it that I've listened to my body and chosen pronouns that make me feel good and yet I still feel like there's something missing? It's because all of these idols that we've tried to entrust our lives to are powerless to help you. And we think they're helping. We convince ourselves they're helping. But when you look behind the curtains, what we find is that you've been fueling them the whole time. Because idols can't go anywhere. Think about this for a second. How is this going to get over there? Come on, man. You can do it. Come on, you're embarrassing me. Can you please? No, you got to go. Got to move it. This is what it looks like to have an idol. Hey, you're going to take care of me. Onward. Onward. Here we go. Switch arms. Got to go. <laughs> it's getting heavy. Haven't been in the gym in a while. Come on, you can do it. It needs you to carry it. It doesn't carry you, does it? Our idols will go only as far as we're willing to take them. The problem is that we can't take them very long or carry them for very long. Because in reality, it requires more from you than it can ever give you. And in the midst of this, Jesus says, instead of entrusting your lives to dead, broken, and unliving idols, entrust yourself to him. But then he says, let me show you why. Look what he says in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is, not, is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? In verse 25, he tells us that if we are to follow him, because he's our master, we don't have to be anxious about our lives. Anybody struggle with anxiety? Sweet. So glad I'm not the only one. This verse has been like, I've been honing on this. I'm like, Jesus, you, <laughs> I hope this is real. Like I'm someone who genuinely lives a life with a low grade amount of anxiety, like daily. Like I wake up and I feel it. It's like a buzz. Except instead of it like being like an alcohol buzz, it's an anxiety buzz. And it's just like, it's a doozy. And I, I remember I, I went for a, a, a silence and solitude retreat a couple weeks ago. And, and like it was like day two where I was away from people and from my phone. And that internal buzzing 
that I typically feel just wasn't there. And like, I didn't put it together until like the day I got back home where I was with people and by my phone. And I was like, oh, there it is. I've missed you. No, I didn't miss it. So Jesus says, listen, if you follow him, like imagine what your life could look like, that you, there will be days, if not weeks, if not months, if not a life that says you don't have to worry about anything. And what Jesus means by anxiousness here is not like the chemical imbalance part of things. If that, if that is where you're at, it's not a judgment, it's, not, it's a sin, I'm, I understand. But it's talking about the idea of rumination or concern. It's, have you ever seen a squirrel hide acorns? Right? I guess it's cute. You know, it'll, it'll take its acorn and then it'll find a spot and... And then you just see it kind of go off and it's looking for other acorns. But as it's going for other acorns, it just like checks, like, 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 like it's checking to make sure it's still there. And then it goes back out to find more acorns. And it's like this, this constant battle of like, I got to keep my eyes on this. I got to keep my eyes on that. Is our life not like that? Like we're tempted to think that the moment we take our eyes off the prize, our whole life will implode. So you got to just keep going back and checking on it. Got to keep going back and checking on it. Got to keep going back and checking on it. It's like half the reason why we, leave our, we, don't, take our, we don't leave our phones on the, on the table. We take us into the bathroom. God forbid someone calls you while you're pooping. Like, you know, it's like... <laughs> and so Jesus says, listen, I can offer you so much better. He says, look at the birds. You got to leave it to Jesus to like use his resume in a weird way. He says, look at the birds. They don't work and they don't toil for their food and yet I feed them. Like what a thought to live a life where you go moment by moment and not worry whether your needs will be met. He says, look at the flowers. Like you live in Florida, you should see plenty of flowers. And you notice when they blossom and they bloom, do you know what it takes to make a, a, a flower blossom and bloom? I don't actually, because all my flowers die. But what, I, what, I, <laughs> what I've seen and what I would guess is that it takes water, sun, good soil. But you know what a flower can't do? Uproot itself and be like, oh, this soil is not good for me. I got to go somewhere else and plant myself and make sure I'm in the sun. No, it can't do that. For a flower to blossom and bloom, it's, it's, it's at the whim of the one who controls the water and the rain. And so Jesus finishes off by saying this, and I love this. He says, listen, if I take care of the birds and I take care of the flowers, the things that in this world most people wouldn't even care about, how much more will I take care of you? Are you not of more value than they? Do you know how valuable you are to Jesus. Like, I don't mean that in a flippant way. I don't mean that in a, I'll text you for a couple days and ghost you kind of way. I don't mean that in like a, rom like a romance Hallmark movie. I mean, he is, like he sees you as, as precious as anything in this world. This is why Jesus begins the Lord's prayer as this. How does it begin? Our Father, in heaven, do you know who never has to worry about what, about what they're going to eat or where they're going to drink or what they're going to sleep? Or where, like, do, you, do you know who does that? Children. 
Children don't worry about those things. They just, my mom's going to cook dinner. My dad's going to bring this. They better put something on the table. There's this expectation. And so we pray our Father because unlike the creation, unlike flowers and, and, and birds, they get to call God creator. We get to call God Father. But Jesus goes one step further than that. Because mammon, it will rob us and take from us. But Jesus, he doesn't just call you valuable. He shows you. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. The apostle Paul says, you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. When Jesus says that we are valuable, that means that there's a price tag on you. We were bought with a price. And Paul knew how his life was purchased. 1 Peter 1, 18, 19 tells us that the sons and daughters of God were ransomed from death with the precious blood of Christ. This is the value on your life. It cost Jesus his own. So let me ask you, the things that you've been entrusting your life to thus far, would that do that for you? Would they give their lives up to you? Do they even have a life to give up to you? No, they can't, but Jesus is the opposite. And you know what I love most about this? You know what the most common term Paul calls himself? Doulos. In Philippians and Galatians and Ephesians and Romans and 1 and 2 Corinthians, Paul calls himself a doulos. And he's not the only one. Peter, the apostle to the Gentiles, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, he's I, Peter, the doulos of Jesus Christ. James, the half-brother of Jesus, calls himself in James 1.1, a doulos of Jesus Christ. Like, think about that for the, the half-brother of Jesus. I have two brothers. I would never call them Lord of anything. Maybe Lord of dumb, but like, that's it. <laughs> but nonetheless, James doesn't even call himself brother to Jesus. He says, Jesus is my Lord. What would drive these people to call themselves slaves to Jesus? is that they knew without a shadow of a doubt they were valuable to God. And if we know we're valuable to God, then we know he'll care for our every need. And if Jesus could give his life up, conquer sin and death, then there's nothing that will get in the way of him caring for us. So may I ask you, will you entrust yourself to him? Will you give up your whole life for him. And if your answer is yes, your whole life is about to look different. Because if Jesus, the kindest and strongest king, is our master, then our lives will be directed and guided towards kingdom life. Not the life that we planned, not the life that we had in store for us, but the life that Jesus desires for us. So the question becomes, what does a life surrendered to Jesus look like? Here's what it looks like. Verse 31 Jesus reiterates himself. Therefore, do not be anxious. What shall we eat or what shall we drink? He's saying, listen, if you're my doulos, you don't have to worry about what you'll eat or drink or where or where you'll live. That's my prerogative. Providing for you is my responsibility. But this is what living in the kingdom of God looks like. Simply put, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all will be added to you. 
Do you know what it means to seek the kingdom of God? Do you know? Because it's not a physical place. It's not the church. It's not Israel. The kingdom of God is where we welcome and, and accept the sovereign rule of Jesus in our lives. To seek the kingdom of God is to take your eyes off your life and to look to Jesus. It's to pray, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's to lay out your whole life in front of you and say, Jesus, this is yours. What will we do today? It means that your relationship with Jesus is of the highest priority. More than that, it is your highest priority. If you're married in this room, Jesus is more important than your spouse. If you're a gym rat, listen, Jesus is more important than you getting a six-pack or having an all-year-round summer body. That college degree that you've been honing in on and you're going for, Jesus is more important than that. That job promotion that you're just about to get, Jesus is more important than that. That house that you're dying to afford and to move into, Jesus is more important than that. He says, seek the kingdom of God and what? And his righteousness. What does that mean? To seek the righteousness of Jesus is to look at the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and know that I have to do nothing to earn it. So to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness is this, is to surrender your every desire and want and say, Jesus, what do you want for me? That's it. But here's something that I've come to learn more and more as I submit my life to Jesus. That there are times when God asks me to do something and when I follow through, I feel like the end result is such a failure. And I'm like, God, what were you thinking? And like, not even like the, like, God, what were you thinking asking me to do this? I did what you asked me to do. Do you see, do you see the results? It's on you, buddy. I remember when I graduated from seminary with my master's in counseling. And I spent, listen, I spent hundreds of hours in the clinic. And I, I, I had to give up so much to be in the program. I had to pull back from community. I was working there full time. And, and then I took this job as young adult director. So I was doing these, both these things full time. So 80 hours a week, I was in the clinic, in the church. I, was, I got engaged and I was trying to plan a wedding. And these are all the things that God had placed on my plate. And he said, this is what is meant for you. Go and do it. And despite all the effort of getting that degree, do you know what I am not today? I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. There is no LMHC next to my name. It's just Cesar Contreras, Jr. That's about all I got. There's no letters for director. Like I figured, I, I remember I was negotiating with Mosaic. I was like, listen, I'm down to... To, to, to do young adults. I love this ministry. I want to do this. But can I get like 10 to 15 hours to do clinical counseling? Because I figured if I'd done all these hours, I, I might as well get something for it. And I'm not doing it. And so there are, there are times where I would wrestle with God. I'm like, God, why would you have opened the doors for me to be able to do this? How, why did you provide the money for me to do this? Why would you make me spend countless sleepless nights trying to help people? After, like, like me in the clinic was like Hell trying to, 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 to do countless suicide assessments, uh, to, to help broken marriages, to people who were abused. Uh, I even saw people who were demonically possessed in the clinic. And I was like, God, what's all that for? And here's what I see now that I didn't see then. 
That the program forced me to face things in my life, in my heart, that I had been unwilling to surrender to Jesus. I had years of porn addiction that I had been white-knuckling to avoid because I thought if I'm a Christian and I'm in ministry, there's no way I should be able to struggle with this right now. There were years of family issues that I pretended wasn't there because I'm the eldest child, so I have to keep everything together, right? I had years of stuff that God, had he not made me go through the program, I never would have been free from it. Here's what we have to understand. When God has control over your entire life, there will be times where he asks you to do crazy things, but it will always be for your good. Listen, following Jesus is going to hurt sometimes. There are going to be times where it literally brings you to your knees. Sometimes it leaves you with more questions than answers. And I'm sorry if that's not why you came to here tonight. But I can tell you this. I would do it all over again. I would do it all over again because the pain and struggle of following Jesus is better than trying to pretend I'm not as broken as I am. Elizabeth Elliot, Christian author, once wrote, to pray thy will be done, I must be willing if the answer requires it that my will be undone. That is the hardest prayer I've ever prayed. God, do with me what you will. However you want it, do it. I'm yours, and I'm, I know I'm valuable to you. I trust you, but it's hard. See, if we're gonna give ourselves to anyone, please let me implore you, give your life to Jesus. He's shown why he's the only one worth trusting and that our lives are best cared for by him. But you know what? I know this to be true, and yet I still wanna be the master of my own life. All the time. That's what that image is about. You see on the top, two guys, or I guess like they're guys, and they're, they're building this like, these idols, this, this sculpture in their own image. This is what we do with most of our lives. We do this to make ourselves feel better, that our lives, like if we have these things, maybe my life won't feel so empty, but, but it's just a facade. I remember in, in June, I hate telling the story. In June, I told you guys the first time I, my, my, fiance, my, my wife's family, they discovered very quickly that I didn't know how to swim. I almost drowned. We had this, we had this discussion. We don't need to go into it again. <laughs> but later that month, or I think in the beginning of July, Rachel and I got to go to uh, on a Disney cruise. Yeah, it was great. Love it. It's my second time. Great. Awesome time. The first time we went, which was the year before. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a pl place called Castaway Key. They take you there. It's a private island. And so there's two places you can go. You can go where the kiddies, like the kids are, and then there's like the adult side. We didn't do the adult side. We went the kids' side because it's just more fun that way. There's less, it, because it actually gets, it's not quiet. It's like, it's like Quiet Cove or something. Ain't nothing quiet about it. It is super loud. <laughs> and so we're like, oh, we're just be here. There's no one here at the kids' section. Great. Now, in this section, there's these, this water slide. Freaking water slide. It's a kid's it's a kid water slide, okay? And so I remember like I'm just gonna go. Like I, you know. 
that's my time up. I guess I got to go, guys. <laughs> no, no. So the kitty slide is there, and I'm like, I'm just going to go do it. Can't be that hard. And so I go, and I swim through the water, and because it doesn't really require that much swimming. Like, I was just able to like, kind of doggy paddle my way, get there. Go on. Now, there's two, there's two slides you can go on. There's the just regular slide, and then there's the super slide. And the super slide is like it projects, like it like you go missile. You know, I'm just go fast. And I'm thinking, I can do that. That's fine. No worries. I didn't know how fast you actually go. And so I get in, and he goes, you ready? I'm like, I'm ready. And he goes, are you ready? And I was like, I'm, he pushes me. I'm like, ah. And so I'm going, and I get like literally submerged into the water. But it happens so fast, and you go so deep that suddenly you do what any normal human would do, Right? You start flailing. You just like, you just like, ah. And then the, the lifeguard on duty goes, sir, you need to get out of the water. You cannot swim. If you're going to swim again, you need to put a life vest on. And I'm embarrassed because it's the kid's side. So tell the people my story in June that I can't swim. And I get to go again. And I go, cast away key. And I go, this is my time. I know what to expect. I'm going to go ahead and do it. And so I get in, put my water, my foot in the water, and I f- sense God telling me, go put the water vest on, the life vest. I said, that ain't from God. <laughs> Take another step, and I feel that same urgency. Caesar, put the life vest on. I was like, that ain't from the Lord, man. And so I'm, I'm like waist deep, which isn't that much because I'm pretty short, but it's enough and I remember with such strong conviction, Caesar put the life vest on. I was like, freaking water. And so I go in, put it on. I was like, I'm not even going to clip it. I'm just going to put it on. Which if you don't know this, if you go in the water with, with a life vest that's not clipped, it's like it keeps you up and you're like, you can't move. And so I'm like half drowning trying to put it on, which is already embarrassing. So here I am. I put it on, get it to the other end. And now I'm on the stairs. And this time, because it's, it's, there's more people coming, uh, I'm the only person who's an adult on this kitty slide <laughs> And there's a, a, a spiral of stairs of kids who are like six to 10 years old. This is embarrassing, okay? Like I'm just here like an adult man-child with a life vest and none of these kids have a vi- life vest on. And I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? This is stupid. So I finally get to the super duper fast one and I'm like, okay, I know what I'm gonna do. I'll be fine. I get on it just as fast as last time, if not faster, because I guess the life vest just weighs you down a little bit more. Just boom. And I'm ready. I'm prepared to like come out like a mermaid, like, ah. And you know what happens? I hit that water. And I come right back up. And the moment that I'm prepared to flail and swim, I just am just waiting on the water. And then I sense God telling me, Caesar, this is what life with me looks like. But I, sometimes I ask you to do things that you don't understand and you think it is dumb and belittling and beneath you, but it is for your good. And then when you hit the waters of life, when you hit the storms of life, when you hit the things that you don't think, even the things that you think you're prepared for, you're not having to flail and fight, but you get to rest 
in me. This is what surrender to Jesus looks like. You don't have to fight and do and be more. You just get to rest in his mercy and his grace and power. This is the life that Jesus desires for us. To surrender all that you are so that you can be filled with all that he is. So tonight, as we finish here, I'm going to invite you to consider what have you given your life over to? What's your mammon? Like even if you're here and you're a Christian, there's a mammon in your life. And if you're here and you're not following Jesus, you're a slave to something nonetheless. We're all a slave to something. But what are you entrusting your heart to tonight? I wonder if tonight that when we were doing that spiritual practice that Brady guided us through, if there was something you're holding on to. I pray in this moment that God would reveal it to you right now in the name of Jesus, that he would that the Father would reveal to us all the masters we've given our lives to. Because whatever your mammon is, it will continually try to cause you to live your life in the middle. One hand with God and one hand somewhere else. And God says, no, I want you. Whatever that thing might be, this is Jesus' call to you and to me tonight. Come and surrender it all to me. Every ounce of your life, every fiber of your being, give it up and devote it and surrender it to me, to my care and to my sovereignty. This is what our life is meant to look like. Josh, can you flip it? Listen, may we throw down our idols, crush them and leave them behind. They are no friend to you. Jesus is calling to you tonight. Come and obey because Jesus is looking for a generation. He is looking for young adults. He is looking for you tonight, for people who are completely devoted and surrendered to him, who actively pray out and live out the kingdom of God, for a people who are so consumed by his love and his power that their lives are naturally radical, authentic, and filled with the spirit of God. A life that bothers the demons when you walk by because they see Jesus in you. A life that is not tossed around by this life, but is full of peace and calmness. So much so that people begin to ask, well, how is it that you are this way? And you say, it's because of Jesus. So may we surrender and become a kingdom people. Surrender to Jesus so that his life would be expressed in and through us. Let's pray. Father, I... The prayer is the same. We surrender ourselves to you. And I pray, I pray with fervor tonight that you would free us from ourselves. Free us from our idols. Free us from the, king, the things that seek to kill us and destroy us. Set us free tonight to live in freedom under the, the banner of your peace Make it happen, Father. Allow us to be bold. Allow us to look at the idols in our life and look it in the face and say, you have no power over me anymore. 
because I am Jesus's. May the blood of Christ remind us tonight that we have been bought with a price that we cannot pay for, but that we've been bought by a good and loving father who would stop at nothing to have us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we sing another few songs and wrap up our evening, we designed a time here where we would ask you to consider what it means to follow after Jesus. You've heard about a man named Jesus who asks very big things, but also gives in very big ways. You heard tonight that there is something that is seeking your heart. You also heard that Jesus doesn't want to share you, and that's a good thing. (laughs) Because he wants all of you and will care for all of you in ways that nothing else can. So I have two invitations tonight. And And I would, I hope you'll take us up on it. I pray that the Holy Spirit would call you to it tonight. There are going to be some people standing around the room. We're going to have some people by the, these pillars. We're going to have people in the cur- by the curtains here who are ready to pray with you. But there's two invitations tonight. The first one is this. If you are a disciple of Jesus, if you're someone who says, I have surrendered to the blood of Jesus Christ, that that, that he is mine and I am his, but you've recognized throughout tonight's message and throughout this evening that you have given parts of your heart to other things, tonight is a night to cast it away and to surrender your life again, not for salvation, but for wholeness. Not for salvation again, but for completion for peace, for the fruits of the Spirit to again enliven you, to be full of joy and peace and and self-control. This is what Jesus is offering to you, that when those idols are cast away, there is more room for him to press into and make you more like him. So that's my first invitation, that if you are a follower of Jesus and you want to re-surrender your heart and your soul to Jesus and say, I want my life to be consumed by you. Help me get rid of the idols. Let me cast them aside. Let me destroy them and walk in your freedom. That's for you. And then if you are here tonight and you have not yet called yourself a disciple of Jesus, if you're starting to consider what that could look like, this invitation's for you. You have and will always be a slave to something. But you've seen it tonight that it's not bringing you the life that you wanted. Jesus says in John 10.10 that he's come to give us life and life abundantly. It's actually so much more abundant that you can't even imagine it. And he says, you can freely have it. I've done the work on the cross. My blood has been shed. My life has been given. You have been ransomed. Your debt is paid for. What is stopping you? I ask tonight that if you are not a follower of Jesus, but you are compelled by his message, and even if you don't know what to do next, it's okay. Let us talk with you. Because I can promise you, life with Jesus, there are no words for it, but it's worth giving up everything for
So I'm going to pray for us and close your eyes. I don't want you to worry about who else is in the room. I don't want you to worry if anyone will see you. If God is calling to you tonight, would you respond to him? I pray this over us. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Father, allow us to surrender ourselves fully to you tonight. May we confess with our mouths that you are Lord and that you are Savior, that there is nothing worth us giving ourselves over to. Pray, I, got, I pray that you capture the hearts of every single one of these young adults. Even if it's a small little idol, it is still an idol. You don't want to share us with anybody else. May we not fall into the trap of thinking that I'll do this another time. Especially when you're offering it right here and right now. Holy Spirit, Speak to your children. Father, speak, and may we listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use this message you just received and direct your heart completely towards him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.